0: i am loved. Amen. 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 So you need to know that you're not going to worry because you're loved. And that's really the bottom line in any, I guess, any kind of thinking that we might have that makes us insecure or fearful. We, at the bottom of it all, we want to know if we're either entitled to something, if somebody cares enough about us to do something for us, did we do something to disturb that relationship, if we did, can it be repaired? There's always these thoughts and feelings of insecurity whenever there's lack or need in our lives. And so I thought I'd talk about worry today and how we can banish that from our lives and where what it means when we worry, and where it comes from, and uh, and and that. So <clears throat> worry really is part of the old. Mentality—it's a part of your fearful soul, the soul of the man who's born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Now we know those of us who are born again, and it is a very simple thing if you're not to be born again. You know, we all—we all thought it was so hard to get right, and then we thought, huh? You mean that's all? Gotta believe that God has died for my sins, and that's the only problem I got in my life? Sign me up. So. So when that reality comes, we all, you know, we, we, but then after we're saved, we have a life of walking with God and, uh, the walk is, is more powerful. It's more productive. It's in line with what God wants us to do if we are baptized in the Holy spirit. And so when you, I know many years, uh, for the years that I was saved without the baptism in the Holy spirit, it was really hard for me to grasp and hold on to the truths that God was putting into my heart, but then after I received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, he wants us to be filled with all the fullness of him. And so when I got the fullness, then that took up the space where the, the dumb stuff was residing, and then I built on that fullness. You got me? Fullness, when you're empty, you have nothing to build on. You've got a sand foundation. Once you're filled, then you have a foundation to build on. You're not filled where you don't need anything anymore, but you're filled where your foundation is strong and it's solid, and you have a solid foundation on which to build your life in God. And so I thank God <coughs> for those truths and for those realities. But when you, when you worry, what does that mean? What does worry mean? It means to torment oneself. <laughs> Amen. It means to torment oneself with or suffer from disturbing thoughts. It means to fret. Well, Miss Gabba, what's wrong, sweetie? They ain't treating you right. They don't do you right today. All right, let Titi yeah, you stay back there with Titi. She treats you right. Amen. From disturbing thoughts or to fret. Amen. Uh, Gabby, I didn't really need a, a prophetic demonstration, but if we got one. <laughs> prophetic atmospheres, I'm telling you. <clears throat> the root is a German word which means to bite or strangle or to harass. And the devil is so perverted, he'll try to make that a good thing. In your, you ever heard had people say, well, I worry about you. Like, that's something to to be proud of. But when you look at what it means, it means I bite and I strangle myself on your behalf. Right. (laughs) It's pretty bad, isn't it? It also means to think about problems or fears. To think. So, worry really is a mental activity. It means to feel or show fear and concern because you think something bad has happened or could happen. Mm -hmm. This is so bad for Christians. You know, when you look at us, wow, that's that's pretty bad right there. It says to make someone anxious or upset. So when you say you worry somebody, it means you transfer that worry, that biting and all that agitation onto somebody else. To cause someone to worry. It says to harass by tearing, biting, or snapping, especially at the throat. (laughs) 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 To touch or disturb something repeatedly by pushing or hauling. To afflict with mental distress or agitation. To make anxious. Some of the synonyms are bother. Fret. Fear. Fuss. Stew. Stress. Wet, trouble, annoy, plague, pester, or tease. The word, remember when Samson kept, his uh, girlfriend kept asking him the source of his strength? And he teased them, he annoyed and pricked them, and he brought about a lot of his own trouble because of the way he dealt with people. He's always picking at somebody, stressing them, and you know, set the fox's tails on fire. He's pretty mean, you know, when you think about it. For God to be using somebody, I mean, come on, there's hope. There's hope for us. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Psalm 34, 2 tells us the opposite of what uh, worry is. And this is something that you can do. and, And if you have the habit of worrying, we have to take the cure from God and do what God says to do instead and make a practice of it. You know, you don't do it once and then let the worry come back and then say it doesn't work. Or it's not working for you. The things that God gives us as answers are simply that—they're answers, and they have to be employed on a regular basis to get benefit of them. But Psalm 34:1 says, and I stole this from Pastor Shirley yesterday. Some of you are thinking <laughs> that looks familiar. That's why. Says 34:1, "I will bless the Lord at all times." So it's it's if you put yourself in the frame of mind of saying good things about God, good things about your life, good things, good things, good things, it will extinguish worry. It will block the door to those thoughts coming in there to to snuff that out and to keep you agitated and upset. Verse 2, my soul, that means your head, your mind, where worry is trying to reside, and worry is taking up residence in your soul, the antidote is that your soul shall make her boast in the Lord. What does it mean to make your boast in something? To boast really means to promote it, exalt it, and put it in an important place. So when your soul makes its boast in your troubles, you will worry. When your soul makes it boast in the Lord, you will be at peace. And that's really what Jesus died for us to have is peace. Amen. Worry comes from the kingdom of darkness and at the root of it really is fear. So Jesus died to to put you at peace because there's nothing to fear in him because he's love. So the antidote really for worry is love. You know, when you think about it, I mean... Uh, How many times can we not be secure in something? I mean, you can be insecure in things all day long. Sometimes you're natural. If you find you've been uh, secure because of natural uh, good circumstances, all you have to do to find out where you really are is let those natural good circumstances come to an end. And then you're out there with trouble, uh, not knowing the next move, not understanding what's coming next. And these things tend to weigh on our minds, what we call to weigh heavily on our minds. They're a weight that we can barely get out from under when we don't have an answer for something, when we can't get it right away. And and really, worry can be a signal to you to keep your focus not on the things that are temporal and the things that you see, but on the things that are eternal where God resides and what he can do for you and all this kind of stuff. And so really worry is a problem with our focus many times. And your focus can change. Just just like you you flip from one channel to another. I always like to think of it that way cuz that's a common example that everybody can relate to. But if you think about flipping channels cuz something comes on there that's not pleasing to you. We can do that with our natural because we live in a realm of faith and hope in god and so if your faith and hope are in god the natural really means nothing to you You got me it really means nothing even when your natural is favorable don't get stuck in in you know a cush life or everything going well because trust me if you step out and try to do something for god you want to get out into a realm where you have never been before, or where God says, I need somebody to be there. There will come situations and circumstances in the natural that make it look like it's not going to ever happen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. But God, we have to hang on to God. And so the, the real, the real um, victory, I think, comes in your focus, not in your circumstances. Because like I said, even when circumstances are favorable, if your focus is on the next thing that might go wrong you can put yourself into a place of worry anyhow you got me and so when circumstances change it's it's good to just say Ooh, i gotta get in my word you understand what i'm saying that's that's when you run to god for refuge and get more in your word because you know you're going to need that to steady you and to believe that god will come through for you anyhow <clears throat> so the Word tells us, the Word of God tells us not to, be, not to worry or be anxious for anything. Amen. But what is the antidote for that anxiety? Really, it's through prayer to make our request known to God. So there are many, many remedies in the Bible uh, and antidotes for worry and for fear. Worry really uh, uh, is from a, a desire to employ ourselves in doing something about the problem ourselves that's where worry comes from because if you think about your what what do you think when you when you worry about something you're really trying to find an answer you're trying to find a remedy and really you're trying to find peace because worry is so emotionally charged that the first thing that comes to you is you know it's oh your stomach gets nervous you get a tightness a knot in your stomach that kind of thing and the more you think about the problem the tighter the knot gets and you just want to get so really what you're trying to get is not so much an answer to the problem you're trying to get relief from the symptoms of worry amen and so that's, that's what we're doing. That's why people run to the doctor. That's why they take pills. That's why they, they take drugs. That's why they booze. That's why they do a lot of things that they are trying to get rid of the feeling of being dis, disinherited, dislocated, and unloved. That's really what worry is. It's a feeling of being out there by yourself no one to help you nobody cares about you and so that those are things that cause the human soul to fret but the bible says our soul will make its boast in the lord so what's the prominent and dominant thought in your head must be a an exalting of god is going to do this he is my father he loves me he cares about me he will not suffer the righteous to be moved you got me and that, that's like an everyday minute-by-minute minute thing. You take the medicine of the word until the stomach problem goes away, Amen. And so that's how we live for God, amen. We live for God like that. People can give you all kinds of temporal answers and will not take away the problem. Because as soon as that answer, as soon as something comes to make you doubt that answer, then you're back to worrying again so the only thing to do really for any permanent relief is to take god's peace upon you and do things god's way there's in your your carnal soul will fight you over this your carnal soul will start to accuse you of not caring about stuff because you ain't up all night long huh Huh? what me worry (laughs) Yep. your soul will worry you to worry it'll pick at you to pick at you amen and so we have to be careful that we don't allow our thought life to dominate in the dark realm. So <clears throat> in Matthew 6, we'll turn there, and this is where Jesus taught on worry. In Matthew 6, 6 630, eh. Is really teaching on seeking the kingdom first kingdom is righteousness peace and joy in the holy spirit it's life it's a life of confidence in god and so instead of seeking solutions to these temporal problems seek the kingdom go in and talk to god about it first and let his peace abide with you god hears thoughts coming to me disturbing my peace I hear that something is not going to work or I hear that they're going to be laying off people at my job and and I want to know how to handle this this new concern that comes up. And really, to be honest with you, as a body of believers, I think we have a lot more help among one another than most groups of believers do because I see where people... Are begging people on facebook for prayer and stuff like that and i thank god god's already given us a support yes. and so what happens if it's something going on in my life that's troubling me i can ask somebody else to pray for me you got me i'll call pastor shirley and 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 you know others in the ministry that i rely on for prayer i'll say you know we need some help with this because blah 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 you know whatever and, and pretty soon that burden is lifted from me supernaturally because I know I've done what the word says to do, to confess it, uh, to, and we pray for one another that we can be healed. Let my stomach rest now because i got somebody helping me uh, before the throne of God. Many times if that person is not directly involved in your shenanigans, they can pray for you with more confidence and more faith. That's the power of agreement. amen. That's a power of partnership that somebody can partnership comes to lighten the load. Two are better than one. amen, because they have a good return for their efforts. Uh, people who are 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 uh, secretive about their needs bug me. Hmm. I didn't even plan to say that, but you know what I'm you understand what I'm saying. We can pray around my situation, but we never <coughs> kill that devil. Well, anyhow. You understand what I'm saying? And don't say it's personal between you and God because, see, when you come up to the altar and you're looking for a prophecy or a word from somebody, it ain't personal no more. So quit lying to yourself. See, if we let shame follow us around and dictate. I'm not ashamed of what the devil's doing to me. You know, I refuse to partner with him in his crimes. Huh? You don't partner with the devil in his crimes. Now, there are some people that that you know are going to blab everything. They ain't your prayer partners anyway. You understand what I'm saying? But if it's somebody you pray with on a regular, you should be able to share anything with those people. That's why a lot of times people skip prayer and don't want to pray. They got too many secrets from their prayer partners. God didn't call us to live a life of shame. You know, shame has bondage in it, huh? It really does. It has bondage in it. You now, sometimes we could get to the root of things and, and get moving on in life if we confront that nonsense and get it out there in the open. You know, like everything from darkness looks bigger in darkness, huh? You know, we walk around feeling bad about a mistake we made 15, 20 years ago and, and carry that around and, and, and don't want anybody to know about it. And then when you finally confess it, they say, is that, that's what, <laughs> really, seriously? <laughs> Let me tell you some stuff. I got bigger stuff than you got any day of the week, partner. Huh? I'm fighting bigger devils than yours any day of the week. Huh?" devil does that he keeps it in the dark uh, you know where it it looks bigger than what it is i remember when i was uh i was in high school and uh, there was we had little groups i belonged to the latin club very few members you know what i'm saying nobody you know you just took it because they said ah, if you go into medicine or something you know when you were a smart kid they had you take all the heavy stuff even right. if it didn't mean anything to you right. So we had a little club for all the, you know, Latin. French was real big. Spanish was huge. And here we are with a little few people in here. But they had you go through some goofy initiation where they blindfold you. And, you know, you were back in Caesar's time. And, oh, we're at the crematorium. And here, put your hand in this, this bucket of entrails. And, you know, and. i'm I'm halfway trying to get psychotic anyway you know i was i was one of them kind of kids you know (laughs) you know i just borderline all my life you know i just finally tipped over one day but you know when you borderline you won't stay on your side of the line they got you trying to seem like hours and so when they turned the lights on, the entrails was macaroni in a bucket of water. You know what I'm saying? Just enough water to make it feel like somebody, you're in somebody's guts or something like That's the way the devil is with fear. He got you feeling
1: some,
0: and you feeling around in darkness and trying to figure out what you're dealing with. Huh? That's all it is. Because it's nothing that's going to harm you. And we know that from the word, but when we're in the moment of the bad news, Then it sounds like the whole world is gonna come to. Oh, if I don't get an answer, oh, I gotta stop this. There's this this rail, (coughs) this train coming at me. I gotta push it and stop it. You ain't gonna stop no train. You understand what I'm saying? So you might as well just stand back, talk to God, call your 15 prayer partners, or whoever you call. I think I've done enough, God. I think I got some peace now. You know what I'm saying? but you get your peace in god you follow the the recommendations of god's word until you get peace so in matthew 6 i think i'll just drop down that we know the the parable about seeking first the kingdom and not worrying and jesus tells us to take no thought or don't worry about these things the more he tells us the more we worry it's true because (coughs) worry becomes like your your buddy your favorite dress your partner your prom date uh you know the one that knows all the steps to your your little dance you like to do you know how when you were uh, a kid if you if you danced a lot you know it was one person that knew your steps you know and then do you just be waiting for them to show up so you can have a good dance tonight that's worry it huh? and it didn't have to be your little boyfriend. Because most of the, you know what, the kids who were good dancers didn't ever date nobody. They had to be free to dance with whoever else was the next best. You know, that was your calling card. Uh-huh. So, but that's worry. He's your favorite dance partner. huh? And so Jesus where, is there stripping away their favorite dance partner. And, you know, people don't like that. So you go and start defending worry. Let me have the liberty to picket myself some more and harass and threaten myself some more. I wanna do that. So let me have my worry. Because the minute somebody tries to encourage you not to, to put it down, stop it, <laughs> cut it out, huh? Then we mad at them. Huh? And then your worry defender devil comes out, huh? Your little rock wilder. That keeps your worry he keeps your worry loose in the yard. Huh? They playmates. Worrying the rock wilder that's defending him. Huh? True. So you snap and bite somebody else and then they start worrying about what they did wrong to you. Huh? Well usually when I talk to Sister Sheree, she she just lets me minister. What's wrong today? She don't like me. She did a good mood. Whatever, whatever. No, you just disturbed the Rockwilder, huh? You was in Rockwilder mood, huh? So anyway, Jesus tells us, take no thought. I like even thinking of that better than I do worry, because it says no thought. What do you mean no thought? If I don't think about it, who's gonna think about it? He's already thought about it and got an answer for you like he tells you not to take no thought Ooh, that felt good to me <laughs> he says verse 31 take no thought don't worry and he says even gives people the demonstration of what you say to to, to yourselves when you worry huh he said take no thought saying what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what am I going to wear? For all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now that's a low blow. Huh? You're thinking like a heathen. Cut it out. Aren't you, aren't you a royal priesthood? Aren't you a holy nation? Aren't you a blessed and beloved people? Well, why are you thinking like that? Huh? That's the way the heathen think. I redeemed you out of all that, and He says, "For your heavenly Father knows what you have that you have need of all these." Well, if He know I got a need, why I got a need? Because you got a need. And if He gave you everything you needed before you had a need, you still have a need because you wasted squander it scatter it you watch how people respond when they're around plenty and they're not accustomed to it i'm not talking about anybody here but the bible says if you're giving it to appetite in the presence of the king put a knife to your throat don't get greedy in the midst of
1: plenty
0: i'm gonna say it again you know what, <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have a lot of time, common sense manners in certain situations because you find more waste and more squandering when people have abundance. Remember, uh, oh Lord have mercy, when we lived on, where we live, Jimmy Kent, the Kent's. You ever did you ever go over there on Saturday when they went grocery shopping? Oh,
1: oh my goodness.
0: And we didn't have a lot. You understand what I'm saying? We didn't have a lot. And and but those people the father worked he had a really good factory job somewhere. He worked worked all the time. Yeah. He made good money and so he had about five children, a wife, and they would go grocery shopping and empty all the groceries on the counter that they just bought and just go through them and eat them. Now, listen, I'm serious, folks, and they did this. He got paid like every other week, and they did it every single time, and by Monday, there was nothing there. Or what was there was scraps and garbage, and and that showed me something about abundance in the midst of a poverty mentality. That's why God has you ask for what you need as you perceive that you need it because he's not going to have you being Jimmy Kent's sister. It was the craziest people in the world, I thought. I said, now this is really ridiculous. These people could live well every day if they managed what they had. But see, they squandered it when they got it ate it up really quickly, and then went hungry the rest of the time and waited. It's a cycle, yeah, see? And it's one God does not want his children. He said, I've, I've raised you for better things. I don't want you squandering anything. I don't want you throwing away nothing. I don't want you uh, doing anything like that. I want you to be a good steward over what I put in your hands. I Pastor Shirley and I laugh about nuns all the time. Sister Bridget Marie, man, if she caught you, throwing part of your lunch away she went she made you go in the trash can and get it in fact she inspected them garbage cans all the time if you threw something if it was a bread crush she made you get it out she passed that bag around the kids was always telling on each other you you know that the, i mean if she was a detective that was a fertile place to solve a mystery because they told everything. so and so that's so and so she made you get it out and eat every bit of it they didn't play amen because they knew most of us were from poor families and don't come in here trying to you know <laughs> boast in you what you about your abundance and throw stuff away you'd be respectful of what god's provided for you because they saw god as the provider if your parents didn't provide that god provided that for you and so that, that always stuck in my brain. You know, that's why my freezer is full of, of unidentifiable substance in plastic bags. It's bagged up, so when I take it out. We, you know, I come out like a couple of weeks ago, we we had barbecue ribs, didn't we tip? Y'all didn't know where them ribs came from, but they are was good, wasn't they? See, yeah, that's right. We had barbecue ribs last week. Why? Why bye don't throw away nothing? huh? We've' got a dog, so we've got somewhere for the bones to be. I don't care about these people to oh, you have to give your dog certain no, this dog gonna eat what we eat. I chew bones myself, huh? Well, I cook neck bones, huh? Somebody back there got it. you them bones good, ain't they, girl? That's right. y'all ain't gonna worry me. listen when when push comes to shove, when y'all ain't got nothing to eat, I'm gonna have me some. huh. It might open me a restaurant out of my leftovers in my freezer. Who knows? People say, oh, you're having soup again? Yeah, girl, that soup was good. Yeah, honey. It was cooked four times already. First the roast, then the hash, and now the bones with the soup. Nobody's starving around here. It's childhood poverty didn't teach me anything, it taught me to respect when you have something. Huh? i throw it away like that. (laughs) Woo! You know, people, they attribute status to food. You know, status can be attributed to anything. You know, people, I I hear some ministers, you know, we ate ate hamburger. I said, I like hamburger. I can't eat that much. I was telling God I'd be glad when I can have steak. You know what the Lord told me? He said, she could ask me for steak then. Amen. Her getting steak never depended on her pocketbook. You know, we make too big a deal of simple things. This is what Jesus is saying. These are simple things. He said, your father knows that you have need of them before you ask. What does that mean? That means he got it stored up somewhere ready to release it to you. Ain't no problem for God to provide for his children. Are you kidding me? (laughs) We're always over-promising, aren't we? Parents to your children, huh? Why? You like seeing that smile on their face when they know something's coming, huh? Same thing with your heavenly father. He's the one that started it, wanting to do good things for your children, huh? So don't worry about your life in the realm of material things, is what he's saying. He said, your father knows you have need. He said, but seek first the kingdom of God. So give no thought. Don't worry about it. Unrighteousness is what worry is. It's a sign of lack of right placing, right thinking, right understanding, right communication, right relationship with God. If your relationship with God is good, <clears throat> you know it's coming because it's been promised already all you're doing is is uh encouraging the delivery to come to your door amen you're encouraging the delivery to come to your door he said therefore in verse 34 take therefore no thought for tomorrow oh geez i can't think about i can't worry about provision i can't worry he said yeah that's all you're doing is projecting lack onto tomorrow when you worry so you're anticipating lack in the future. Yes. That's why we worry. Yes. Uh, you're anticipating it won't be there. Yes. And and God has already promised you it'll be there. Yes. So what are you going to do? Let your soul make its boast in the Lord. Yes. Ooh, Father, I thank you for let me stop this word. Slap me upside my head three times. Yes. I'm going to quit this. Yes. Because I know now that you are the great provider for me. And you yes. don't want me to worry about anything. Don't pick at yourself about things God is taken care of. Yes. Okay? Don't pick at yourself about those things. We're not talking about miracles here. We're talking about basics. Yes. So if you're worried about the basics, what's going to happen when you really do need a miracle? Yes. It don't get no easier to believe for big impossible things yes. when you're just talking about things that, that could come naturally from a different source. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? You could... You could Go beg something from somebody. You get around the right relatives and look a certain way, they will give you something. Or go to one of them family gatherings, start preaching the gospel. They pay you to get out of here. Ooh, that was good. Let's give her some money. Woo. Get her on out of here, huh? Gotta know how to work this thing, girl. Oh, now. <laughs> I would call a preacher trick, but I won't ascribe to any those. We don't play them. So he says, "Don't worry about these things." Because we fear being without them. Uh, so if you fear being without something in the future, worry is going to make you pick at yourself about that. Worry provides us. <clears throat> uh, okay. Why worry? Why do we let worry plague us? And this is one of the reasons that people so easily pick it up. is because worry provides us the opportunity to work at problems we think we think we're accomplishing something. We think we're really working at a solution when we worry, but we're not. You ever have your mind go through, well, what am I going to do about this? And you, your mind will get an answer and settle on it it's about ten minutes. And then ten minutes later, another answer will pop in there, and that's the answer. And then ten minutes later, something else will pop in there. Well, none of them the answer. You understand what I'm saying? But we do it anyway. Because we think if we keep going through the dark crevices of our minds, uh, which never had a really prosperous thought to begin with, Mine, yours or nobody else's. Uh, every time you think you come up with something that's going to really make you a bunch of money, it fizzles. Uh, thank God it fizzles before you even get started on it. huh. Ideas are extinguished out of our heads all the time. You come up with something you think is the the answer to something, pretty soon something else comes in there, you're just daydreaming, you know. And so don't worry yourself like that. Don't let your brain get picked apart and your nerves get frazzled because you're trying to think of solutions that are not there. Where are our answers as believers? Where do we find answers? We find them by letting it go pushing that off of us and giving it to god that's the only answer you need you don't need to know you know when when jesus said he said don't worry about what you he said you're going to be arrested for my sake you're going to be persecuted he said they're going to bring you before judges and and before people in court don't think it won't happen to you happens to people all of the saeed abedini didn't think he was going to be kim uh, davis the girl in, uh, where was she, Kentucky or something? Did she think she's going to get arrested for the gospel? But it happens to all of us. Amen? And so and sometimes you're on house arrest. You can't talk to people in your house about Jesus. And Jesus tells us, he said, don't worry about what you're going to say in advance. He said, when you get there, your heavenly father will tell you what to say. Why can't we know in advance, God? I want to know. You ain't going to get no more peaceful knowing ahead of time than you will when you get there. So just get comfortable being comfortable until you get there. Huh? When you get there, there'll be enough going on that you'll have to worry about. Huh? It's just true. (laughs) It will. There's a whole new set of bag of tricks. You think you got something set up for your success when you get there. You get there and then nobody knows your name. Huh? Oh, that's where God set it up that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? Yeah. Other than that, we'd be bragging. About, my, my girl, so-so. yeah, my girl was there and she, she had my back. And, all oh, he got your back. Yeah. People turn on you so quick. <laughs> the devil, they can't walk ten steps. But, they, but they, step one, they for you, step two, the devil and jumped on them already. You understand what I'm saying before they. <laughs> like the longest stretch of of uh walkway is the altar you know i don't care if you're getting married getting prayer whatever it is god can work on you all sermon long through the through the meeting and you want to go to the altar for prayer and then the minute you step up the devil say no you can't go up there in front of all them people Nobody goes up there for prayer. You're gonna be the only one up there, and they're gonna all be looking at you, knowing something wrong with you. Everybody struggles with that. I struggle. Don't you struggle? You want to go up. You don't want to go up. You want to go up. You don't want to go up brides get cold feet huh? halfway up the aisle
1: that's
0: where the groom does he want to run back in the back room again (laughs) I didn't polish my shoes thanks Ray (laughs) Jesus tells us your life is more than things your life is peace your life is health your life is, is well being that's what your life is it's not things things are not going to give you health peace and well-being jesus has to do that for you and he can't do it if we're determined to worry about things all the time he can't get in your head for you worrying oh who's that with that thought oh god's gonna provide who said that get out of here huh i don't want to hear that i won't worry So worry provides us a false opportunity to work at problems rather than let them go. The human soul was not created to bear the weight of trouble. Not at all. We begin to boast in our trouble mentally. Your mind starts to enlarge the problem. So that when you get the solution, you can feel powerful and better about yourself. Bigger the problem, the more you boast. Worry really is a type of employment or occupation. Some people set up worry as a lifestyle. It puts fear to work, just as we put faith to work with our prayers and our actions. So worry puts fear to work. It enlarges and expands its territory in your soul the more you meditate on your problems. Fear does not like to let go. So it continues to pop up at each opportunity. Perfect love casts out fear. In the midst of trouble, you need to know one thing and one thing only and that you are loved. Huh? Because trouble makes you feel like you're the only one trouble makes you feel there's no solution all that isolation and loneliness that trouble brings to your soul the antidote or the the answer for that is to know that you're loved not to read it and meditate it and memorize some love scriptures even though that ain't bad that's a start but to know you are loved is a different prospect altogether I think the the people that we we've seen throughout our our walk as Christians that we we call generals or heavyweights or these people have no ministry without having a working knowledge of the love of God every day. And I don't mean that they're just nice sweet people all the time. But I mean that they have experienced the forgiveness of God. The the over and over and over again falling short making mistakes getting up knowing it's all good that kind of life that's the christian life i don't know why we let the world saddle us with this image that they have of we never do anything wrong you got me after you do wrong then what because wrong is going to come to you just like it comes to anybody else you know, if you, if you hate making mistakes, you're in the wrong business as a Christian. Because you can start out doing as good as you want to, and then the devil wakes up. In fact, he, uh, he's an early riser. He up uh, way before you are. Because many times he will greet you in the corridors of your mind before your feet even hit the floor. Huh? Something will kind of like startle you, or you have something go through your head before you wake up, and you wake up in a bad mood. So he's already got your day started off. Like people say, you get up on the wrong side of the bed. I mean, they know trouble starts before you even wake up. And you don't plan trouble for yourself. It meets you before you even meet your day. You understand? And the devil has plans to defeat every Christian. I don't care if you're young, old, whatever you are. Every Christian person who names the name of Jesus is a threat to him. You got me? you know you can try to be undercover and underwire and low-key i'm laid back i don't just get up and talk about jesus i can talk about him you better talk about him because that's part of your trouble huh you're scared you're scared of trouble is you're scared of trouble huh well you know when you scare christ you got to be tactful no you don't you got to preach that's what the bible says Is it preachers Preachers act like they know what they're talking about even when we don't. Call faith. Hmm? You can give a confident witness. huh? Girl, let me tell you what God did for me. You just don't know. You can have people sitting on the edge of their seat looking for another bag of popcorn. Ooh, when the next Coke coming? This must make it be thirsty. This is a good story right here. Huh? that's the greatest story ever told huh it is it's it's quite a love story Don't be making a big issue of the devil's nonsense you know let let your soul make its boast in the lord man fear doesn't like to let go so it continues to pop up at each opportunity the perfect love cast it out first john four Verse 7 said, Beloved, it's talking about God's people, let's love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. Amen. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Amen. Amen. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Which one am I looking for?
1: Yeah.
0: Where is the one that says there is no fear in love? Verse 18. Oh, it is 18 on here. Ooh, I put it down right. I'm so glad for myself. I didn't see the one in front of the eight. But that's all good, too. Amen. <clears throat> it says, verse 12, no man has seen God at any time. It's a problem. When you live in the visible and what you see all the time, you think God ain't there. Yeah. Or, you think, or you think something goofy about God. Oh, I did wrong, and he didn't say nothing. He did. You didn't listen, huh? Your conscience told you. If you know it's wrong, he said something to you. The devil ain't gonna tell you did nothing wrong. <laughs> he gonna say, oh,
1: yeah, do it again, do it again."
0: Oh. <laughs> hereby know that we dwell in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit so his spirit is love if you yield to the spirit you walk in love that's real simple this is something you don't have to go through no effort for and therefore you cannot take any credit for it you're just yielding to the supernatural spirit of god that's in you when you love you didn't have no love for nobody anyway amen And what you had didn't work I'm not going to even go there. <laughs> Spare me. Fix my life another time. Okay. So. <laughs> Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, dwells in him and he in God. And we have known him and believe the love of God, the love that God has to us. God is love. He that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. And he says, there is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. Oh, Lord, you mean because I'm worried? Yeah, we said that at the beginning. You don't know that you're loved when you worry. You know, you don't know that you're loved. If you're loved, love endures all things, hopes all things, forgives all things. Love is faithful, it's kind, it's trustworthy. It doesn't boast in itself, but it gives to the other person. That's what, what more could you want when you're going through difficulty, huh? But when you decide that you're going to worry anyhow, it's because you have not let mature love, this word perfect love really talks about mature love or the agape love of God. That was a word that wasn't even thought of until, you know, certain words have a, a entrance on the scene of, of, of humanity. And agape was not a word until Jesus said. Came and began to preach, huh so you can tell we didn't up what the world needed then and now. Can somebody do a few of Miss where we no thank you, All right. <laughs> huh but then love came on the scene with Jesus huh nobody had they'd never seen anything like him before nothing like incense amen so perfect love kicks fear out they can't abide in the same place love is stronger that's why it kicks fear out whoever the strong man is keep the strong man of love amen in you amen fear has torment is what it says here it says there is no fear in love Fear has torment. He that fears is not made mature in love. Now, we love him because he first loved us. He sowed the first love seed to us. That's how we can love him. We don't bring anything to the table. Unless he, As a matter of fact, he don't want our stuff. He just tells you, just leave it off to the side, and I'll take over from here. Isn't that wonderful? God provides everything. Even when Abraham was, when he was dealing with Abraham, he provided every single sacrifice. When Abraham was broken, he went down to Egypt the first time. When he left there, the Bible says he was very rich. After that, he began to make sacrifices to God. So God provided that. Amen? Amen. Pharaoh didn't do nothing. Nobody can give you anything that God does not provide and ascribe for them to give you. Amen? Whether it's good or bad. Perfect love, fear has torment, and worry is a sign of our lack of maturity in God. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Because we don't accept His love, we'd rather pick up worry and fear instead. Mm-hmm. See, you can make fear your companion, or you can accept the mature love of God. And let God mature you in love. Now, this is the other thing that will happen. If you're in a situation of crisis or something like that, and you tend to prone to worry, God will mature you through that crisis situation if you hold on to God. Then at the end of it, the Bible says you come forth as pure gold. You know, you've been through the fire, but you don't smell like smoke. You've been in a pit, but you ain't pitiful understand what i'm saying you left your pity garment down there in the pit when you were down there you come out mature in god so as god matures us he puts us in situations where we must trust him because mature love trusts god and longs to please him see in the midst of your worry you can be thinking about the answer to your problem or you can decide you want to please god instead those are your choices it's not either worry about the problem, try to make something happen and get a solution, but your your quest is do I stay in this worry mode and doubt God and show him I'm not loving him or do I seek to please God? That should be your bottom line in any situation. Is it or is it not pleasing to God the answer that I have chosen? Huh? Mature love chooses to please god no matter what it means answer wise see the problem really is is just a distraction from your normal walk with god huh you're doing good you're believing god some things are happening good for you expecting more good things and then all of a sudden the hell in the hallway comes. Huh? between your blessing amen between your blessing and what what god's promised you and the, you know you got your eyes focused on the prize like a long distance runner you know runners don't look for obstacles in the road they never make it to the finish line all they want to do is stay in their lane and look at the and that's what we determine to do every single time we just want to stay in our lane make sure when we finish we finish legal and don't get disqualified well, that's a new thought for some people but mature love trusts god and longs to please him first foremost and only see it doesn't matter if your answer comes to you or your problem gets eliminated uh in, in before the day is over so you don't have to worry you know, that don't matter what matters or should matter to us if we are mature in the love of God, is what we are doing, is that pleasing to God? God, are you pleased when I worry and don't meditate on your word? I know you're not. I'm going to stop worrying. I'm going to cast this thought down. I'm going to keep it cast down, and I'm not going to pick it up again. Amen? I'm just going to trust you with the for my answer and my solution. And that's really all God is looking for out of us. How am I doing, little Howard? Ooh. Jeez, I got time for two more days. I just like to do that. All right, so we are, when we trust God, we can cast off fear by making our requests known to Him and leaving it there. Don't take it down and nurse it because you feel lonely. We do that. You know, your brain will say, What am I going to do? You're going to make your boast in the Lord. We're going to exalt the Lord today. We're going to praise God today. We're going to make something happen with our praise, not with our worry. I remember years ago, um, uh, LaShawn's brother, Reggie. Y'all remember little Reggie? He worked at McDonald's, and and he always had him a couple of jobs. You know, Reggie, he knows how to keep them jobs. But he found himself <clears throat> unemployed one time, and then uh Lashawn sean said oh, reggie told you told me to tell you he did get a job and so when he came back i said reggie you got your job that quick he said he said pastor barbara I praise god all day long Amen. now who would do that you understand what i'm saying but he simply understood god to praise god until he didn't know when until was going to happen He didn't know when to stop. He didn't, but he said, I praise God all day long. And he said, and then the people called me and I had my job. Brother Summerall prayed all night long. He needed a ticket, uh, a a boat ticket somewhere. And he told God, he said, I'm not asking a man for any. Woo. Woo. Are you kidding me? I'm not asking anybody for anything. But I know if you want me to go and see most of us think faith is saying, "I'm going anyway, right. Right. Yeah. Free. Yeah. Free. oh yeah, yeah. G- mature love yeah, sure. see mature love is 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 mature enough to be honest with God, even when it don't sound like faith to the yeah. 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 Okay. the rest of believers. Yeah. 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 You can tell him anything. Huh? Is God going to slap you around because you're, you're, the way you phrase your requesting? But see, we do a lot of fixing up our requests because we feel intimidated somewhere back here because if it don't sound like faith people, who are those people anyway? I don't even know any of them. Everybody out here begging, complaining, whining, begging, waiting to quit. we try trying to impress something that don't exist. So we cast fear and worry out of our lives if we obey God's command and let love mature, perfect us. If we love God, we trust him enough to obey him in the interval until we, we see the manifestation and we trust him in the unseen realm of the heart and the mind. That's where nobody knows him but you, is in your heart and your mind. Choosing to believe God casts fear out of our minds. It eventually will go and not come back. You can close the door to it. Amen. People who fall victim to worry and fear refuse to grow up and let God have these things. So we let fear pick at us, pick, 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 and then we become the victim of it. And we choose They... They let God, they, they refuse to grow up and let God have these things, choosing to hold on and torment themselves, thinking they can't let go, instead of knowing they won't let go. It depends on how you view yourself, what these terms mean to you. If somebody tells you, well, why don't you let go of that, we'll just pray and ask God to do so and so. I can't do it. Hmm? No, you won't do it. They don't know how to talk to people, no way. I ain't talking to people. I'm talking to you. Yeah. What do you say about what I said? Huh? You don't like it. Why not? So let's get to the root of things. Why don't we like to hear certain things? Religious? Yeah. Amen. Crazy, phony, hypocrites trying to keep up a front. Huh? And then somebody comes and shh takes the wool off and they were all naked and afraid yeah i took your little toy away from you i'm getting the next one too you don't need none of them all you need is to walk with god the love of god that's just so harsh huh listen god don't wean us off nothing Oh, I'm going to say that again, because, see, we got some bad mothering, some bad fathering, some bad everything in our history that makes us think you can't take something away from somebody. Joyce Meyer uh, was sharing a testimony. She said, I don't know. You know, Dave, he just felt when the kids were, uh, with, you know, weaning kids off there. She said he just wouldn't give them a, a bottle at night or a pacifier or something anymore. She said then babies would holler. She said and then about three days later, it was all over. Now, see, she lost 90% of her crowd, which are women, when she said he wouldn't give them that.
1: Dave, he's just mean. It.
0: That's better than having him on that pacifier till he get to the altar and then the wife got to slap it out of his mouth. That's less for the husband or the wife to deal with when you take. God don't wean us off sin. Well, you know, sometimes you can't stop fornificating all day, first day when you saved. You ain't saved. Now, you need to go back like they used to do at the altar. Go back to the altar till you get saved. Because, see, when you make that confession of Christ, you can get enough God in you to quit doing almost anything. I say almost. in <laughs> that bad? No. Really, it is anything. It's all or nothing. Huh? you can quit just don't want to see if we admit the truth we don't want to huh because you know these men's is nowadays they don't want to date you if you don't
1: that's
0: right tell the truth huh well that's a christian woman's fear huh what you're gonna have to give up to get the ring take that to the boys tell them the girls sent that to them huh we don't need your stinking ring huh? we got jesus he'll bring he'll bring you what you'll need do will need that stuff huh? nonsense but you you know you don't need to be weaned off worry and fear I'm going to worry a little bit today because, you know, you can't quit all at one time. No, you can quit all at one time. Huh? Love casts that out. Huh? So God is working with us to bring us to maturity in love. Amen. He's working with us to do that. And it it goes from one trial to the next to the next. Can you trust God through the trial? Or are you going to worry and fret and all that kind of stuff? If we love God, then we trust him enough to obey him at all times knowing that you can let go of worry gives you power amen Amen. people who like to say they can't like powerlessness but when you say i can then you stand with god in his ability and you can let go of anything or adopt anything the more we worry the more real our fears become Then that's when it conceives. You start to speak of it. You start to treat it like it's real. You start to worship it. You start to lift it up. And then it it takes on a life of its own. The devil, when we speak about things, we give the devil a license to bring them to pass. Because somebody will hear those words when they're uttered and run off with them. uh? Now, I have a, a little habit of my own i don't cosign everything people say to me in conversation and and sometimes people say well how come you don't like what i say or somebody it ain't about that i just ain't cosign. sign. i'm careful about what i come into agreement on because when you sick and you come to the altar you want me to be straight with him don't you You want me so come on now and i want to be straight with him more than you but you know you got to protect things that are valuable you don't agree with and cosign and join in on every evil thing that's said you know even though you might think it in your own mind you, can, you don't get it out there where it starts to bear fruit so worry agrees with false prophecy about us now uh, it agrees with false prophecy about us and the world we live in we have issues there are certain thoughts that just ooze out of us without much provocation you understand what i'm saying it is old issues And so we have to begin to, uh, uh, when we start casting those down, let me see, thoughts that ooze out of our minds and we begin to expect them to come to pass. So then you've got not only your faith involved in your worry, but your expector gets involved. You need to release that to the Lord, get the word stamped on top of it. And commit that thing to God. Don't let it go out as a worry and a fear and a we ain't sure. You've got to nail that thing and, and cast that thing down. So we give it life by b- believing and putting faith in it. Once faith gives it life, it becomes real to us. Amen. How did, how did God deal with these things with, with people that we know in the Bible? Uh, John 3.16 tells us that God loves us. So we know that that our fear is in not being loved. Mm-hmm. He loved us so much, he gave his life for us. So we, we can't be moved by things that speak to the contrary of that. You know, say for instance, somebody, we talk to somebody, they say something, and we're offended by it. Mm-hmm. You know, your first thought is, they don't love me, they don't like me. And we make a judgment on that person based on the way they respond to a one-time encounter. Yeah. Yeah. One-time encounter. And you've already why? Because we are so afraid that we're not lovable. Yeah. When anything negative comes into our little realm, huh? Yeah. We 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 settle down with it's because we're not we're not something. See, it becomes a personal takeaway when somebody says Or it it can never be a misunderstanding to some people. You know, you just misunderstood what I said. You can tell somebody that a hundred times, but they don't have to believe you. You understand what I'm saying? So God sums it up like this. Just forgive people. Can you cut this stuff out? Y'all forgive each other. Go back to playing again. Like, honey, kids are happy when they can play together. They don't like not being friends with each other. Amen. And so that's the way God sees us. He sums it all up at the cross where you started go back there when trouble comes you'll get your solution every time when trouble comes at you that way you don't have to build up walls of resistance against people and be afraid of people and don't want this and don't want that all my haters out there nobody hates you they ain't thinking about you they really trying to get their bills paid like you are who are you what are you doing so great that somebody got to hate spend their time hating you please all right So when we cast our care on the Lord, we follow an example. I want to share with you with Abraham. In Genesis 17, you'll see the story about mature love coming into this man's life. We know Abraham had listened to God the first time. God told him to leave where he was born, leave his family, leave everybody. He took lot with him because he didn't have any children and he loved lot and had kind of been a father to him for many many years lot's dad was dead by this time so abraham considered him a, a family member or heir and I, I think abraham's father was dead as well so there was nobody really to take care of lot and so in verse 17 uh, abraham is 90 years old in nine verse one And the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect or mature. Genesis 17. I am the Almighty God. You notice every time God came to people in the Old Testament, he told them who he was. You should never just listen to a voice and call it God. You've got to have some understanding. Amen. You test the spirits if they don't introduce themselves and you say, God, if this ain't you, stop talking to me. And most of the time it'll stop. You need to get in your Bible to talk to God. You understand? It's the safest place to be to talk to him. So <clears throat> when we, Abraham had cares, he was able to cast them on the Lord. Amen? His worry uh, and Sarah's worry drove them to Hagar. But the day came when God called time on his immaturity. Yeah. So this is what God does with all of us. He calls time on our maturity so he tells abraham he said it's over for the nonsense now i want you to walk before me and be perfect be mature or endure what i tell you to endure because the promise is soon to come into your life so whenever god is bringing promise to us our walk becomes more rigid you can't say a lot of things that you would normally you ever notice that when you want to be healed you don't dare say you or talk about your symptoms unless you at the altar you get it taken care of this after that we talk no more about it and so and you don't go uh looking for for evidence of how bad things are you know that's that's something bad that we do too much it's bad enough you got to go to the doctor and hear all their stuff you know all the numbers they put on stuff and what they looking for here and this is uh where they tell me something this is pre-something uh they said oh yeah pre-diabetes you know just because i'm carrying a few extras rings talk about (laughs) gotcha but you know what i'm saying uh, is a1c i said well i said well what is well it's borderline i said i ain't crossing the border (laughs) i'm an american I live in America. I ain't going across no border. I ain't Canadian. I ain't Mexican. I ain't crossing no border. <laughs> if the devil can't curse you, he'll send you home with something. You understand? I ain't A1C and I ain't crossing the border. All right. It's going to stay on this side. I can border all day long. Uh-huh. But Abraham had to get mature before God. Amen. And in his maturity, he had to to hear that Ishmael was no longer going to be a part of his household. And he loved that boy because that was his only son. But his wife, Sarah, was being tormented. She was being worried. So Ishmael became, he was a joy to Abraham, but he was a worry to his wife. Nothing will end a relationship quicker Than one member of the household being happy the other one being miserable God has planned for everybody everybody to be happy you understand what I'm saying he has joy for everybody so Sarah was yet to receive her joy in God and this is what the news that God was bringing to Abram he said you know I'm changing your name her name she's going to have children they laughed and and, and told God it wasn't going to happen and all this kind of stuff but God said, Yeah, it will happen because I've appointed a time when that is going to take place. And so Abram, in his maturity, had to make up his mind. He was either going to settle for a temporary joy or have the promise of God. Everybody's, you understand what it is? Everybody's dilemma. Do I settle for a temporary joy or a worldly joy? Or do I learn how to please God and take the mature road, get the word of, road of perfection, go for a higher purpose in my life than making sure I'm included in everything and i got everything everybody else has? Because that's really our motivation many times. I don't care if you're a, a believer or a minister. Everybody wants to imitate who they think is important in their little realm. And so Abraham had to divorce himself from all of that stuff and finally say, you know what, I'm choosing maturity in God because God tells me that's the best road. Now, I'm happy right now. This this illegitimate son of mine is harassing my wife and his mom has acted ugly over there. My wife has been tormented all these years with these folk up in here. But I got pride and I can say I got me a son. She don't have nothing, but you do. Huh? It's trouble when you try to blend folks up like that, huh? More trouble sometimes than it's worth. Mm-hmm. So Abraham becomes matured. Turn to Genesis 21. Verse one, the Lord visited Sarah as the Lord and Sarah had, as he had spoken and Sarah conceived and bore Abram a son in his old age at the set time. Immature love wants immature things. They want everything out of season. Out of season things have to be, you know, if you have a premature baby, they put it on what? Life support. So immature things are going to have to have life support to keep them, to keep them alive. Extra work, extra labor, extra money, extra everything. Then waiting for the promised time. huh? People have had babies and left them on doorsteps in the cold and somebody picks them up before they expire. God sees to life when it's in the fullness of its time. And so he he visited Sarah. Verse 8, the child grew, was weaned. Abraham made a great feast the same day Isaac was weaned. Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had born to Abraham, worrying her. Mocking is worrying. It's picking at somebody. And what does God want to do with worries? He wants them cast out. So that's what he tells Abraham to do. He tells Sarah to cast her out. Therefore, verse ten, wherefore she said to Abraham, Cast this one bondwoman and her son out, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous to Abraham in his sight because of his son. So this hurt Abraham that he had to part with his son. I'm going to tell you something that people don't know exists or forget it exists. But Abraham, it says, when it says it was grievous to him, this kid was a worry to the whole household. This whole situation was a worry to them. It had never been peace in that house ever since Ishmael was born what does sarah's answer is to throw him out because god promised me our son i was married to you she's just somebody you slept with she a one night stand i don't want you choosing my kid over her kid put him out of here god upholds it huh people don't like this kind of preaching you know what? god upholds it because you have to look at what god plans for you is the best plan for you a substitute plan is not going to satisfy you god or anybody else is going to be a worry and a problem and a vexation to you unless you take it to god and god redeems that for you how does god redeem ishmael he says i'm going to give him stuff i'll take care of him just like i take care of you but this is the boy that I promised everything to. You can only have one carrying the promise. You can't have them both carrying it. Amen. So then God makes his decision. And Abraham says that it was grievous to him. That word grievous, the Hebrew word for grievous is ra. It means to be sick, to be irritated, to have the knot in your stomach, to be vexated. And God says you will not be ra." But I will. I am Rafa. God heals. He would have to. There's some men out here with 10 and 13 kids, never been married to nobody. God has to heal that whole situation. You don't think he's big enough to do that? Men sleep around with anything, and women crazy enough to try and have babies with them. Nuttiest thing I've ever heard in my life. He's not promised anybody. He ain't taking care of nobody. And one day he grows up and decides, now I know what kind of wife I want. Can I have a clean start? And God says, yes. Amen. Because I'm Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Amen. Now you're mad at him because you got his kid and he got a wife and he got a bunch of money. Finally got a basketball contract or whatever they're looking for. You understand what I'm saying? Well, how can he be happy he did? He went to Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. You do well to go to him with your son too. You understand? Because he heals everybody. He heals the whole situation. What did God tell Abraham? He was, he was grieved about it. And God saw it. And God said to Abraham, don't be grieved about this because of your bondwoman. He said, in, the, in all that Sarah has said, hearken to her voice. Listen to her. Listen to your wife. Didn't that get Adam in trouble? Yeah, but it's getting him out of trouble. (laughs) Grow up. Grow up. (laughs) See what God instructs you depends on your relationship with him. If your wife has got the answer, listen to her. Just cause you the head, that don't mean you don't listen to nobody. (laughs) Thou son of Satan. this is messing up people's heads on the internet too i don't care how do you think people live on this earth after they've made them kind of mistakes he has healing for the money he had healing for hagar ishmael turned out to be what we know now is the islamic people who got more money in the earth than they do they got all the oil they got they ain't broke by no means trust me here we are, the heirs of Abraham. Can't even believe for a uh, bus ticket somewhere. i stop in a minute. We the real heirs. You got to use your faith just like they use theirs. He said to Abraham, let, don't let it be grievous. Don't entertain. Don't worry. Don't, don't, don't. I've taken care of this for you. He says, and all that Sarah said, hearken to her voice. Isaac shall, shall, in Isaac shall your seed be called. He said, God said, I needed an heir. I chose to use you. I'm the God of your, your obedience as well as your mistakes. Amen. He's God over all of it. He said, also the son of the bondwoman will I make a nation because he's your seed. He said, I'm giving him an inheritance it just won't be the same as the one i chose it can't be when he saw when he saw eyes when god had a vision for isaac he had a vision for everybody who is born of the spirit of god that's what he saw he saw a nation of kings and priests a royal priesthood people who would be mighty in the earth he saw all of that he can't do that in the with the film of disobedience over it he can't do that in disobedience he can only do it in obedience and so and he can only do it according to the counsel of his own will this is god's will that these things take place we can't question him the only thing you can do is is expect to know that in every situation that you're loved just like abraham did abraham went on to raise his son he had was he outlived sarah she passed away he got married again had four more kids you understand what i'm saying He was 100% totally healed from that experience. You got me? And never looked back. And so that's what God wants us to know, folks, that he is the God who takes all the fear and all the worry away. He heals your worries. The things that would pick at you and and, and vex you get healed. Sometimes it's you and your your brain. What's in your brain? He'll heal your brain. Sometimes it's, it's irritating situations and, and things that don't get corrected. He'll heal that too. Because if we give it up to him, he'll do it. But he can't do it if we're nursing it and worried and wanting to solve everything. and Think we've got to have an answer today. He gave you an answer today. It's his problem. It's his deal. He'll take care of it. But we don't want to accept that. We want something else. But he's not going to give it to us. Why? Because he wants us to mature. In his love. He loves you. That's enough. Amen. That's enough to know. That ought to be good any day. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word and for understanding. We thank you, Lord, that we are a healed, loved people, first and foremost. We are loved. Problems do not separate us from the love of God, trouble does not separate us from the love of God. Father, that we can afresh be baptized in your love and understand. Your great love for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you that love is not just a feeling, but it is a knowledge that we have a carefree life in you. That whatever we need, you've already provided for us. You saw this day coming. You already made the provision. There is nothing outside of your love for us, Lord. Thank you for healing us, healing us with your love. Father, I thank you that where we've been rejected or we've been cast aside or we felt that we weren't loved, you love us anyway. Thank you, Father, that that we live in a society that even though the enemy tells us that we're not worthy, we're not worth it, you come again and tell us that we are so loved, you so love the world. You gave your son for us. That is such evidence, such great evidence of your great love for us. Lord, that we could tell the devil, Jesus died for me, and that's enough. When he tries to worry us, you died for us, and that's more than enough, Lord. We can build our future on it. We can build our lives on it. We can build this next week on it. So we thank you for that, Lord. We bless you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. Those of you who are on the internet, just stay